Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Today we return to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and we're going to take another look at verses 11 through 13, the deal with strained relationships within the body of Christ. We have already looked at these verses on the broadcast last Friday, but it is such an important area that I think it needs closer examination. I would call this a strategic but not very well understood text. It follows an outpouring of Paul's heart to the Corinthian Christians and It serves as something of a bridge between two major sections in this epistle, but more than anything, it gives us insight into the heart of the Apostle Paul. It explains why Paul vigorously defends his life and ministry and gives us insight into one of the major causes of broken relationships among Christians, as well as instructs us how to establish and maintain good relationships. And so in these verses, we are going to learn a common cause and cure for broken relationships within the body of Christ. Here's the text, 2 Corinthians 6, 11, 12, and 13. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Thank you for joining me on this Monday, March 6th, and thank you for your financial help, which is indispensable to the continuation of this broadcast. All right, what do we have? We looked at it actually on Friday, and we'll come back to it now again today. What we have in regard to Paul and the Corinthians and their relationship one to another is, first of all, Paul's attitude toward them in verse 11. Secondly, their attitude toward him in verse 12. And third, the proper attitude that everyone ought to have toward one another in verse 13. First of all, verse 11, Paul's attitude toward them, and again I read it, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. Paul's attitude was intensely warm. That phrase, O Corinthians, in my Bible has an exclamation point to indicate that this is a very strong exclamation with strong feelings behind it. A personal address of Paul to not an individual, but to a church, and that's rather rare. I think there are only two others that you'll find 
in a similar vein. One is in Galatians 3.1 and the other is in Philippians 4.15. In Galatians 3.1, this kind of address is given by Paul in, a, in the context of a strong emotional rebuke. And in Philippians 4.15, in regard to a strong emotional commendation, but here it is found in a strong emotional appeal. Oh, Corinthians, listen up. Oh, Corinthians, I'm addressing you in a very personal way. And so we've got an intensely warm declaration, but we have an ex- a declaration of openly communicative language. Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. And he goes on to say, our heart is wide open. But first what he's saying, more literally, is our mouth is open. We have spoken openly to you. Our mouth is open to you to speak freely and candidly. My lips are unlocked to tell you everything about myself, holding nothing back. And Paul had just communicated some very intimate details of his life in verses 4 through 10, particularly that, well, all of it, the, 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 the three lists of nine items each. The first one telling about Paul's sufferings and hardships, and the third one, the paradoxes that described his life. And Paul has shared himself very openly. He's really laid his, his life on the on the table, so to speak, for their inspection. He has been open and honest about his life, both the good and the bad in his life. He has shared his struggles as well as his aspirations. He has been open to them. We have spoken openly to you. But the problem is that they had not reciprocated, but I'm getting ahead of myself. And so, Paul's attitude was intensely warm and openly communicative and affectionately loving when he goes on to verse 11 to say, Our heart is wide open. My heart, he's saying, is laid bare. I have given you intimate details of my life. I've been willing to expose my life, my heart, my my innermost feelings and thoughts to you. My heart is wide open because I desire to have a close relationship with you. I want to take you into my heart, into my life. My heart is filled with generous feelings toward you. And Paul is telling us that gracious, open, intimate communication is a significant mark of love. And that certainly applies to loving relationships within the body of Christ, our loving relationship with our Christian brothers and sisters. We are commanded to love one another. What does that mean? Among other things, that means being open. That means being vulnerable. That means sharing our heart, the innermost thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Obviously, to open your heart to others creates risks. It exposes you to the possibility of rejection and hurt and ridicule and misunderstanding. But Christian love accepts those kinds of risks. And this is Paul's, should I say, evidence of Paul's love for them. No matter how some of them had mistreated him, he still loves them. 
How can they question his fervent love for him when he's opened himself up in this way? O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. Now, if I could pause before going on to the next verse to say, not only is this an important important um, detail, an important item in our relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ, but this is true in any relationship of love, and the marriage relationship comes to my mind because I have learned over the years that one of the biggest problems that married couples have is a lack of open communication. That may have been there in the beginning. Sometimes it never is. But it's often there in the beginning. A couple enjoys each other's company. They talk to one another. They open up their heart. They share their feelings. They share their thoughts. It's wonderful. One of the most important aspects of marriage is companionship. God said of Adam in the garden, it is not good that man should be alone. Well, what, what does that mean? He needs a companion. He needs somebody to share his life with. He needs somebody to share his thoughts with. He needs to sh- somebody to share his ambitions with, his goals with, his desires, his, his intentions. He needs that kind of partnership, companionship. That's what companionship is all about when people can share their feelings in this way. And as I say, many marriages start out this way, although I know some that never never even begin that way. How can you, how can you, uh, what should I say, how can you develop what, that which has never begun? So for some people, it's a matter of learning to do what you have never done. But for many of you, it is a matter of returning to that which you used to do. Now, how does that take place? Maybe I should ask, how does it how does this kind of communication stop? How does it how does it how does it die? Not all at once usually. It's gradual. Little by little, people taking each other for granted, married couples taking each other for granted. Not opening up, not talking, not not seeing the need for it, not feeling the desire for it, getting caught up in their own little world. It's it's amazing how many Times people can live together in the same house, share meals, share other aspects of life, watch television together, talk about business matters together, even share a bed together, and yet don't share their thoughts to one another, their innermost thoughts. They don't communicate. That will kill a marriage. Sometimes people see their marriage die, and they just can't figure out why. We're just not, we just don't enjoy one another's company like we used to. We, we just don't, I, I just don't feel the same way about this person. I, I, I used to feel so much in love with them, so much in tune with them. I appreciated their companionship so much, and all that's changed. What's happened? I'm telling you what's happened. You're not communicating like you used to. You've got to do that. You've got to develop that. That's what Paul is telling us. That's what is the key to a good relationship in the body of Christ. That's the key to a good relationship in marriage and anywhere. 
and particularly when we're talking about a loving relationship as Christians are to have one with another, and certainly as married spouses are to have one with another. This is how you develop that. Are there other aspects that ought to be developed? Of course. But this is foundational. If you don't work at this, if you don't take care of this, if you don't address this issue intentionally, you are going to drift apart. I promise you, you are going to drift apart. So don't let that happen. And if it has already happened, here's what you need to do. You've got to intentionally start communicating at a higher level of of conversation, a higher level of activity. I suggest to married couples that you incorporate this into a daily time of Bible reading and prayer, whatever you want to call that, devotions, family worship, but it, but it's got to be something that's going to be just between the husband and wife. You ought to have family worship, including the children, if you have children in the home, but that is not going to replace this because you can't have this level of communication when you are dealing with your children. So if you have children, you're going to have to have family worship number one, whichever one comes earlier in the day doesn't really matter, but family worship number one that involves the children. But you're going to have to have couple devotions, couple worship number two, that's just you and your spouse. And you say, well, I don't have time for that. Well, Do you have time to do what it takes to keep your marriage in good health? Or are you willing to just let it go? Because this is what you've got to do to keep it going. You've got to develop communication. Now, I'll have to talk a little bit more about it on the broadcast tomorrow because time is is, uh, flying by, as it always does, Tempest Fugit. And so please return again tomorrow. And we'll take this up at that time. Until then, may the Lord give you his eternal peace.